You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. Friends, we're going to give our attention to the reading of God's Word now. Our lesson comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 through chapter 6, verse 10. You can find that in your pew Bibles. If you have them, you'll see them in the back of the pew there. You can locate that on page 966. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, we then appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a time of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, We are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, once more, I'll say good evening to you, church. It's good to see you all. Thank you for making the effort to be here. So today is Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent. And for those of you who have practiced this before, you'll know and remember that Ash Wednesday is not fun, but it is good. It's not pretty, but it does bear a kind of strange beauty. Now, in the text that I just read from 2 Corinthians, what I'd like to do is rather than attempting to exposit the entire text, I'd like to focus our attention just on the first two verses, chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. And I'd like to focus our attention on these because during the season of Lent, what we're going to do as a church family is we're going to undertake a sermon series on the Old Testament book of Jonah. And Jonah is, in my opinion, uh, and I don't think I'm alone in this, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, short stories ever told. It's masterfully written, it's savagely comical, it's piercingly insightful, it has, it's bottomless in its depth. Jonah is simple enough for a child to understand and it's complex enough for an adult to reread every year and never exhaust it. And one of the things that you've got to understand about the story of Jonah is that he was called to be a prophet. Now, uh, unless you also are called to be a prophet, you might not know that in an Old Testament context, what that means 
is that the person is one who receives the word of God and then who is sent to proclaim that word to someone else. In this sense, Jonah's prophetic calling made him something of an ambassador. God told him to go to Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, to tell them of their wickedness and to call them to repentance. Now, listen, one of the things that I love about the Bible, which even as I say that I recognize, is such a predictable thing for a priest to say, right? One of the things I love about the Bible. But one of the things I love is that it is consistent from beginning to end. The call to Jonah is not dissimilar from the call of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 20 and 21, which we just read. It's the call to be an ambassador, an ambassador for God. And that's the call that I want us to explore this evening together. And as we do, what I hope we'll see is that this call bears within it both a privilege and a pain. That the call to be an ambassador for God bears within it both a privilege and a pain. Let's look at the privilege. The call bears a privilege. If you have a Bible close at hand, then you might find it helpful to turn back to those verses so you can have the text in front of you as we look at it. Verse 20 begins, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Now what does that mean? The author tells us in the very next stanza, God making his appeal through us. So rather than communicating with each individual human being directly with a voice from heaven, God chooses to work through his church, through us. And this, listen, is the show-stopping privilege of being a Christian, of being a follower of Jesus. You are invited to represent God to the world, to represent his affection in our relationships, to represent his justice in our legal system, to represent his beauty in our arts and our creativity, to represent his wisdom in our planning and our strategy, to represent his patience in our parenting, especially tonight, to represent his glory. Guys, that was funny. To represent his glory in our creation care and his love in our romance and his gentleness in our governance. And I wonder, do we know this privilege? Do you know the privilege is not reserved for Old Testament prophets but for all who call God Father. And Jonah knew this privilege, the privilege of representing God to the world. He knew what it meant to speak on behalf of God. But as we'll see over the next five weeks, as we walk our way through the book of Jonah, as we delve into the story, we'll see that he also knew that this privilege bore within it a pain. The privilege bears within it a pain. Now, what as, what as ambassadors are we sent to proclaim? What's the message What's the way that God works through us? It's the next stanza. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. It's a message of reconciliation. It's the work of reconciliation, but reconciliation assumes a rupture. Reconciliation is only necessary if there's already been a breaking of relationship, a fracture, a rupture. Like a thin piece of linen fabric torn in half, listen, all relationships experience rupture. Marriage relationships, parent-child relationships, friendships, landlords and tenants, bosses and employees, neighbors, all relationships experience rupture, and therefore all relationships at one time or another are in need of reconciliation. Listen if you can. If you do not know how to reconcile, then you do not know how to have a relationship, right? You know this. Now, be reconciled to whom? Well, the text says to God, and, and... I need to address something here. The Bible also calls for all kinds of other forms of reconciliation, racial, generational, financial, legal, all forms of reconciliation horizontally in our relationships with each other. But those are in other texts and therefore 
They're gonna be in other sermons for a different day. This text is specifically addressing the relationship with God, a relationship that has ruptured and is in need of repair. If you just imagine for a moment, every human being was born into this world with, this is a little bit strange, but just imagine it. Imagine that every human being born into this world was born with a broken femur. Now, even if that was the universal human experience, you would still be able to tell, maybe through x-rays or maybe just from watching people hobble around in pain, that humans were kind of meant for something different, maybe meant to walk and run and jump and dance and twirl. And even if you'd never seen a human do any of those things, you would know that it was at least desirable and possible, even if nobody could do it. In the same way, there is within every human being a sense that there is something broken in our relationship with God. And the pain of the privilege of being an ambassador of God is that you are not only sent to represent God's love for his world, you are also sent to name the lack of love that the world has for God to name the estrangement, to name the guilt, to name the rebellion of this world against God, to name its corruption. And this is not a popular message. It never has been, it never will be. There is no era of human history where this was acceptable to say. And this is why, aren't you and I just a little bit embarrassed about the Christian faith? I mean, some people in this room, you are baptized and committed and faithful followers of Jesus. You are Christians. Others of us are kind of on the fence. Others of us are kind of holding this at a skeptical distance. But all of us have the common felt experience that the Christian faith is embarrassing. You know the gospel message contains within it that hard word of sin. And therefore, to bear the gospel into the world is to experience pain. And Jonah knew this. It's part of why he didn't want to go. Who wants to go call people to reconciliation? Not me. Please send somebody else, right? But you know, that wasn't the only reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And it's actually not the only reason that we tend to shy away from this call to be an ambassador. Do you know what Jonah was afraid was going to happen in Nineveh? His primary fear was not that the Ninevites wouldn't like him, but rather that God would like the Ninevites too much, that God might not judge them, that God might show, him, show them mercy. The mercy of God for Jonah was more fearful than the judgment of God. And you know what? It's just a hypothesis, but I am not entirely sure that we are all that different. Some of us might not mind bearing that hard word of sin to the world, that message of sin and guilt and judgment, if we knew for sure that God was going to follow through on the judgment part and prove us right. Some of us might think that, but there's a problem. And you already see it coming. God has this habit of being patient and showing mercy, even to people who don't even know that they need it. And that's why this little couple sentence thought ends this way. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, herein lies the heart of the gospel. God initiates to repair the rupture in order to reconcile us to himself. He takes on human flesh in Jesus. He empties himself. He humbles himself. He comes and lives amongst us. He suffers amongst us and then voluntarily goes to the place that all of us are already headed, which is death and eternal separation from God. And so through Jesus, God dies for reconciliation. Now, when it comes time to talk about things like being reconciled to God or having a relationship with God, Sometimes churches and maybe even individual Christians are guilty of talking about these things in the abstract as if we all know what we're talking about. 
but there are many of us sitting right here this evening who kind of go, yeah, I hear those things, but I don't really know what you're talking about. How does that actually work? If you opened up the hood and looked at the mechanics of it, could you understand it? Let's try. Here is the great exchange that happens when a human being is reconciled to God. Step one, in Jesus, God so fully takes on our sin that he becomes sin. And then in baptism, which unites us to Jesus, we so fully take on Jesus that we become a part of him, the body of Jesus, the church. Therefore, through Jesus' death on the cross, God is saying to you, I love you so much that I'd rather be wrong so that you can be right. This is what it means to convert to the Christian faith, to be saved by the love of God for you in Jesus, and in doing so, to become a part of the church, the very church that God makes his appeal through. And so the ashes that you will have placed on your forehead this evening, yes, they are a reminder to you of your own death, your own mortality, and therefore a reminder of your need to be reconciled to God before you die. And this matters for you. But you know who else it matters for? It matters for your neighbor. Because you know what? Your neighbor is also going to die. Their mortality is just as real as yours. And the ashes are not only smudged onto your forehead, they are placed in a certain symbol, in a sign, the sign of the cross, right? Because you are an ambassador for Christ, commissioned to go forth into the world, called for the reconciliation of your neighbors to God through Jesus. And so the cross of ashes reminds you of your death and your need for salvation and the great exchange initiated by God through Jesus in his death on the cross. But that cross also commissions you. The cross on your forehead sends you out into the world, bearing the mark of God's love. Listen, Jonah was sent not as an ambassador of God's judgment, which he was willing to do, but as an ambassador of God's mercy, which he was not willing to do. And you are sent as an ambassador of mercy to your neighbors here in the city today. Now, we've said over the past weeks that Redeemer is a parish that practices gospel formation for missional presence. And here tonight on Ash Wednesday, y'all, I don't know how much more literal we can get about our reason for existing as a church. We are literally pressing, forming, the shape of the cross, the sign of the gospel into our heads and then going out into the city to to be and to bear the presence of the death and the resurrection of Jesus to our world. And so in just a moment, you're gonna be invited to come and to have that sign of the gospel formed right on your face so that not only you will be reminded of your own need for it, but also you would bear it with you out to your neighbors and to your family members and your coworkers and to our city. Now, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come forward and receive. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for that great exchange, that you have come to us in the flesh in Jesus to be made sin on our behalf, so that through you we might be made right with you, Lord. Thank you for that great exchange. Thank you for the gospel. And thank you that you have commissioned us to be ambassadors of your mercy, 
bearing that gospel out into our city here in our time and in our place. Help us to do this tonight by your spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.